Welcome to the Sky with Spiral, a self-improvement and productivity podcast. I'm David Whitechapel. I'm a fiction writer and content creator, and I'm always on the quest to maximize my creative productivity. And I'm Brent Hiris. I'm a productivity coach, and I work with people in order to bring them into sustainable, high-level productivity. So, Brent, what are we talking about today? Yes, so the title of today's talk is Your Highest Aspiration. I want to talk about the importance of clarifying your highest aspiration, the why behind it, how to do it, and I also want to share with you where I'm at in terms of my leading edge regarding this subject. Basically, from the first time when I meet somebody, if I'm working with a client or having a particularly deep conversation with somebody, I'm just always interested in where is the ship headed for this individual? Like if all the conditions are in place, if everything is where it should be, if we can be maximally productive, if we can really apply ourselves on a daily basis to our most important stuff, what would that look like and where would we lead? The idea really came to me in its full importance when I was reading a book by this spiritual speaker whose name is Adi Ashanti. He's a guy with a really good active YouTube channel and he gives these like incredibly high quality conversations on spirituality, on awakening, on enlightenment, on the release of suffering, letting dropping suffering in all of its different forms. And he has a book called The Way of Liberation, which is about, you know, how to angle our daily practice in such a way that we can achieve inner liberation. And it's a short book. And one of the very, very beginning chapters is clarify your highest aspiration. And so he goes into it and he says, okay, so figure out like, why are you here? What is it that you're doing? What is all of this for? And he is in particular referring to people who are, you know, on their spiritual journey, but it applies to anybody on a self growth journey of any kind. Why are you here? What is this for? If this work, if this effort really hit its target, if it really hit its mark, where would we end up as a result? And what would be the most valuable part of having hit that target? The reason why we want to be totally clear on this kind of thing is because it's the only way to achieve sustainable motivation. If we're not clear on why we're doing something, in other words, if we don't know exactly why we're doing what we're doing, then it's not possible to be fully motivated. Just the motivation isn't there. It's like, imagine somebody comes along and tells you to do something and you don't know why and you don't know why you should listen to them it's like no you know maybe if they like threaten you with a whip or something you might do it in order to like get away from them and kind of to escape the punishment but but it won't be true leadership he also says when he's writing about it he says don't make the mistake of assuming that you know what your highest aspiration is and i thought that was a pretty interesting idea because i think a lot of us do just assume that we know what we want the most out of this lifetime. But then if you ever have a session where you journal, you just like sit down and journal it out. If you haven't done it in a long time, or if you've never done it before, journal out, like, what is it that I want? And just list out everything that you just most want in this lifetime right now. You'll find it's often different than from what you thought it was, which can come as quite a shock. 
And not only that, but it changes over time as we evolve. Our highest ambitions, they change and evolve over time. And so thus, it's important to continue to return to this question. What do you want the most? So in the episode, I want to share with you, you know, different ways of asking this question. And then part of what's really, really leading edge for me in terms of the discussion of ambition is distinguishing between what I call subjective ambition and objective ambition. So I'll talk about that. Um, the difference between holistic ambition and non-holistic ambition. And then finally, the appropriate amount of grip on your ambition. What's the appropriate amount of grip? How hard, how hard should you grip? How hard should you go at it? How much effort should you expend towards your objectives? So, uh, so that's a, a pretty good overview of what we're going to get into. Does that sound nice so far? Yeah, cool. That's uh, so, I mean, it's a pretty big topic, but um, <laughs> yeah. it will be, yeah, for sure, it'll be interesting to explore. And I'm hoping, um, super applicable to our listeners who I mm-hmm. hope have, you know, various and high ambitions for themselves of various kinds. Right. Brent, I got to ask you something. Yeah, man. You know what I'm going to ask you? Uh, what What's my highest ambition? Yeah, I have oh, to ask yeah. you. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I wonder if any of your clients have asked you that, because you asked them, presumably, mm. but... Mm-hmm. you know to throw the question back at the mm-hmm. teacher <laughs> yeah what's what's your highest aspiration yeah. you know nobody asks me this <laughs> nobody does how interesting is that yeah that is interesting it's because i guess because sessions are about them right you're helping mm-hmm. them with something mm-hmm. they they assume you figured yourself out right 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 yeah it's funny yeah yeah that's uh it works beautifully to my advantage Right. You know, I actually, I expected a lot of like, um, in the beginning when I was coaching people, I expected people to really challenge me, you know, with this mm-hmm. kind of thing, but, uh, but that hasn't happened at all. So that's, uh, I hope that can be reassuring to anybody who's hoping to open a coaching practice. Like usually we're just really, really focused on our own thing. Well, any of your clients listening to this might suddenly oh realize God, that they can yeah. challenge you. <laughs> <laughs> but, so what is it? Uh, your yeah. highest aspiration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting because to talk about it, I, I as I talk about, it, I can actually open up some of these um, these uh, subjects that I was bringing up: um, holistic versus non-holistic, objective versus subjective, and grip. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'll explain and I'll kind of uh, walk through these things as well. Let me start with this. So, I have I have both objective and subjective ambition. So, objective ambition just simply refers to any sort of ambition on the level of the objective world. So, it's like you know having an ambition towards a lot of money or a lot of power, or a lot of influence, or a lot of like Instagram followers. Um, it can also apply to having a lot of ambition towards, you know, academic success, like becoming a PhD, becoming a tenured professor, or towards becoming really smart at something, or become, or getting a gold medal in the Olympics, mastering a certain sport or field or whatever. Um, becoming noteworthy in some way. It's just any, any sort of success that appears out in the real world that when we look at it, we go, yeah, like that's attractive to me. That's worthwhile to me. And I want to achieve it. And I've decided that this ambition is important to me that I'm willing to expend effort in order to get there. For myself, my objective ambitions I have on multiple levels. For example, I have ambitions towards money. I'm presently like in the neighborhood, like I kind of come in and out of being a six figure earner. So that's kind of where I'm at. 
And I would like over the upcoming years to move into the seven figures. I think that once I'm there, maybe seven, maybe eight, but maybe probably seven's enough. That would be enough for me. That would feel very satisfying and that's a worthwhile goal for me. I have ambitions in that I would like to be an accomplished coach and an accomplished thought leader. I would like to put out more products into the world. I would like to establish a presence where I'm known um, to be a teacher and a knower of the different topic matter that I get into. And I would like to collaborate with other knowers and speakers in this area as well in order to create more and more of this material and go deeper into it. I have ambitions towards being a leader, a leader of not just thought, but to lead people into their own actualization. So like I talk so much about productivity and productive flow because to me, it's the exact, exact point where we ought to fix our crosshairs so that we're taking consistent action towards the most important thing. That's literally what productivity is. It's taking action, consistent action towards the most important thing that a person allows a person to become the fullest version of themselves and to offer their gifts to the world. And to me, that is the most important thing, bar none. It's the most important thing for me is to activate individuals to get them into a productive place where they become actualized as people that feels like my main foremost contribution to the human race so your aspiration it's kind of something that will always be ongoing unless it changes right mm -hmm. it's never done because there's always more people that you might want to help or mm -hmm. um, help discover their own ambitions or whatever yeah and, and guide them towards it well that's right right and and so, okay, so like what you say leads me also to this other one. So there's the objective ambition. Now there's subjective ambition. And my subjective ambition is the full release of inner suffering, the full release of inner strife, of being deeply and profoundly well and whole on an inner level so that I'm totally at peace with my own experience, which it just simply means to just be like moving through my life. Like, you know, here I'm sitting here talking with you or like later I'm gonna to go to the grocery store or I'm gonna go hang out with a friend later or I'll be reading a book or whatever it is that I'm doing, spending time with my wife, you know, cooking dinner, whatever it is. And, and while I'm doing it, feeling just utterly, utterly at home within my experience, free of any stress, free of any worry, free of any sort of doubt, self-doubt, um, any sort of thing like this. This strikes me as a kind of ambition that one can arrive at, at it. And similar to the objective ambition, it's something that goes ever deeper. Like you can, you can hit certain milestones where it's like, wow, this is like so good and this is so enough and this is so fulfilling. This is everything I ever asked for. And now I'm basically free of any need to get anything else. I'm free of my need to be anywhere or to have something else or to get to this next step or this next level. There's no need in me anymore. Need on the level of an objective experience or a subjective experience. And yet... And yet, as long as we're alive, we are growing, evolving creatures. And this freedom from suffering just goes deeper and deeper and deeper without end. Deeper peace, deeper realization, deeper understanding. And also on the, on the objective level, it's like greater success, just greater, greater influence, greater uh, ability to affect good outcomes. And that grows on that level too. So it's like, it's strange. It's like, 
it might be possible for the ambition to be totally satisfied, totally satisfied. And yet aiming to stop, aiming to get to a point where we stop, that would be unrealistic. That's interesting. I mean, it occurs to me, the people that I look up to and, uh, and admire mm -hmm. from present day or history, they never stop doing the thing that they believe in doing. Mm -hmm. I admire a lot of artists, uh, you know, creators, writers, whatever. And for an artist, it's not about creating one thing. It's not about creating one piece of art. Mm -hmm. It's about becoming an artist and fulfilling, you know, your artistic vision multiple times over. Developing your style and your, you know, your content, what you want to say, handling different ideas in different ways responding to the conversation of art in the community and society, responding to current events and the world and also your own personal life. Mm -hmm. it, and it's in that sense, it's, it's, it's never, it never ends. It never closes. Similarly to what you were talking about, the aspiration is about sustaining this thing. Yeah. Rather than a singular peak, it's reaching a height. It's like flying up to a height and sustaining that altitude. What I'm interested in is the place that this artist is creating from, you know, like I've, you know, I was, I heard about, um, Van Gogh. I, I remember him as this really prolific painter and creator. And he was just like pumping out like one thing after another. And I'm interested in his state as he was making it, as he was making this art, as he would, you know, make a new piece and then complete it and put it out and, and do the next one. Is he creating from this place of need? Is he creating from a place of incompleteness? Is he chasing something where, where he, like there's an ambition in the sense that like in his, in like the, the very center of his psychology, is he thinking, I just need to make one more painting because if I can, then I'll get, I'll finally get there. I will have finally done enough. And there's this seeking of completion, a seeking of wholeness through creating his art or has he achieved this level of completion where, where he's deeply, fully, completely satisfied right now? Just totally satisfied. Like, yeah, man, like if I were to die today, then it would be more than enough. I will feel fulfilled and happy with what I did, you know, as, you know, as my, my soul leaves my body and I'm kind of like looking on, I'm looking back on my life. I will just, I will really feel happy and satisfied and fulfilled. And, and then everything he's making is coming from a sense of bonus, a sense of plus, a sense of extra. But, but he's not trying to, you know, kind of achieve on the psychological level from his work. That's interesting. Um, I have so many responses there. <laughs> I'm just trying to marshal my thoughts. So I don't think it's either of those personally as an artist. I can't answer for Van Gogh. And obviously different artists may be different. But I have a very powerful urge to create. And my uh my particular drive doesn't isn't either of those things in the sense that i don't seek to be fulfilled like to have the art behind me and be like yes it's done and i don't think i would get ever get to a place where i was like i'm ready to die like it's we're done like mm -hmm. like it's all behind me oh and let me just make a point about van gogh as well before i move on sure. because what's interesting about him is he was very poor most of the time and struggling he managed well enough to get art supplies 
and he had connections well enough to basically get himself a studio and he had friends who uh, would be able to sell his art etc so he kind of just kept afloat and all of his keeping afloat was just for the purpose of making art and even when he was in the asylum he continued to paint so for him it's like life's purpose right and that purpose is is not even is nothing to do with he wasn't famous in his lifetime so it's nothing to do with having received a particular adulation and craving it and it's nothing to do with monetary reward because he didn't get that either instead i rather think he created because he knew he felt he could reach in his head with a kind of artistic arm out towards something that he felt he could grasp and put it on to the canvas with his paint and and for him that act it's almost like it would almost be like a religious act right like like something sacred wow and to house it for me to connect it back to me like the way that i create and what i want to create for me a big part of it is i have ideas of things i want to make and i know that if i don't do them no one else will so it's almost like having a child or something if you don't have a child every child is unique right every human is unique and if it were not that particular you know combination of circumstances parents timing etc it wouldn't be that person and the art is the same it's like you are exactly the person that can create that art i think this extends further than art by the way as well like this extends course, to other yeah. you know other life achievements or whatever but for me the the powerful um, urge to create is is combined with this this knowledge that only i will create those works that are unique to me and yeah coming back to the idea of completion versus you know whether there's an urge to fulfill that drive versus everything being a bonus mm-hmm. for me it's more like here's something else that i was thinking about okay i'll answer that by coming on to another thing okay when, yeah. with your framing I, I really want to hear the rest of your framing around this um around the different kinds of aspiration but yeah well there's time something i was thinking about was reward versus change in the sense that for me i want to be di- a different person by the time i finish a piece of art that makes sense rather than achieve a reward for it i want to actually be someone different could you take me through that one more time i'm like 75 percent there okay yeah so the motivation for me to make things is one the idea that if i don't make it no one else will and two the idea that i will change as a person through making it gotcha um number one if i don't make it like this particular like your story that's for you to create if i don't make it nobody else will yeah understood yep and then also you'll you'll change through the process. Yep. Yeah, like I will be a different person and that change is appealing to me. Yeah, for sure. Like you become a better, I mean, in a simplistic sense, you become a better artist, right? You become more fully yourself, you find your own voice or whatever. But in a general sense, like, you know, you just become a different person as well. Right, yeah, I agree. I uh, Whenever I put together like a program or whether it's just like a simple little Reddit post or if I'm putting together a course, it in almost every case i'm writing about something that i want to learn about i'm actually like i start with a problem that i have not yet solved and i solve it through the creation of what i'm making right right that's kind of what i mean exactly and then you change you you've changed yourself by the end of that process right, right? yep 100 percent. yeah yeah i find that becomes my most successful like that's my most highest performing creations too as opposed to just like putting out a bunch of stuff that I've already gone through, I've already thought, I'm just kind of like dusting off the archives of like what I know and just like, and just writing it out into paragraphs. Like, like that's fine too, but it's not nearly as potent as this stuff where it's like, I'm transforming as I make it. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's very powerful, certainly for artists and, and probably for others as well. 100%. I was curious about what you said about making the art that's in you to make. And if I don't make it, nobody will. Well, I was wondering, first of all, like, is there a finite amount of it, do you find? Is there like a certain amount where like you like you finally get to the bottom of the barrel and you're good? No, because I think good artists are also constantly consuming art. Mm-hmm. And so there's this loop, you know, this feedback loop. You're taking in things and you're getting inspired and you're learning new techniques and ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it could go on forever. I mean, may, there may be some artists who they just they have one itch they want to scratch. And that's the whole thing. Right. But for me, it's very much a thing of like it's it's exploration. It's like this this vast unknown terrain that I get to explore. And and again, that terrain is unique to me, right? Like no one else will be able to explore this place. So if I don't do it, it's just lost. It's a lost land. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and the way you put it, it, it feels there's sort of like um there's two kind of emotions here. There's one of of like flow and excitement like it's sort of like it kind of feels to me like when i get like a video game that i'm like a thousand percent stoked on it's like oh my god i just can't wait to get in and just like explore everything that's happening in this game but then also also there's this like kind of like a feeling of like responsibility it's like if i don't do this this will not get done by me or anyone and the opportunity will be lost yeah absolutely which you could you could call a kind of arrogance and and yeah artists to some extent are arrogant right like maybe arrogant is the wrong word people have said i use the wrong word for that because it sounds like a bad thing but what all i mean by that is that to be an artist or a creator or you know certain other kinds of sort of leader positions in society you put yourself in a podium and say to other people that you're worth listening to Mm. you're worth paying attention to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that is a kind of arrogant position you know a kind of provocative confident position to put yourself in nicely put yeah but yeah it's totally that kind of sort of confidence in your own imagination or you know the things that you have to say that they have value yeah yeah it's an interesting position to be in so for me what i've been paying a lot of attention to over the last couple of years is how invested i am in accomplishing what i feel like i want to accomplish so to return to this subject of need which is it's so so front and center in what i've been trying to untangle about this kind of thing it's like to what extent do I feel like I need to make what I'm making to do what I'm doing? To what extent do I feel like I need to accomplish what I've accomplished? And not only like my need, but to what extent does the world need it from me? Where there's like, it implies the sense of necessity. And it also implies the sense of there being high stakes of like, if this doesn't get done, it will be a true loss. They're on for somebody somewhere, somehow, there's some sort of loss that threatens here. And that loss kind of generates a sense of stress, like a sense of like, oh, like, oh, like I, like I have to, now I have to, and I need to make sure that I do. And, um, and I've, I've grown over the years increasingly distasteful of this form of stress. And so that's, that's led me to this question of grip. How much should I grip my ambition? So when I say grip, I mean gripping with importance gripping in the sense of like holding on like i must i have to and so on it's not it's not like it's just one or the other it's it's about f- finding the right the right middle because 
especially in, in the study of self-help and self-growth and self-improvement, there's a huge emphasis on grip, which is to say like, you have like, just like, go for it, go for it, go for it. Like, this is super important. You must, you know, there will be loss if you don't get it. And then that, that kind of, that really motivates us. There's like this sort of like motivating kind of energetic, kind of like fearful, kind of activating sort of energy when it comes to grip. And, and, to make matters even more confusing is you can, people get really successful, really successful. They make tons of money and they go as like as far as anybody goes with this, with, um, with really emphasizing the grip of the importance of what we're doing. But this is at the, it's at a, what I find to be a great cost. There's a great price that we pay with this grip, which is our wellness. Because what we're affirming to ourselves unconsciously with this grip is we're saying, I like, like so much do I need to get there? And so much is there so much at stake is here that like on a, on a deep level, I'm convinced that I will be truly not myself or I will be truly at a loss if I don't. And then, and then from that psychological state, it's, um, we're not, we're no longer at home in our reality. We're no longer at home in our experience. We don't feel comfortable and we're not having fun anymore. The enjoyment by and large is lost. It's like, um, the Toronto Blue Jays were just eliminated and, uh, and usually they are you know, when it comes to the postseason with some noteworthy exceptions. And they were having this, um, this season that really got hot near the very end. And it looked like through a lot of like kind of weird little intricacies of the rules of Major League Baseball, it looked like there would have been a possibility for the Blue Jays to proceed um, if, if like they won and certain other teams lost. And so, and so I was like this weekend, uh, I'm not otherwise very engaged in sports, but I, I kind of, you know, I was really, really wrapped up in it in this particular weekend. I'm watching these, these games. And, um, and I noticed that as I was watching it, I was like sort of kind of having fun, but I was kind of not having fun because I was so invested. There's a part of me that needed, needed them to, to win and needing the other teams to lose. And, and, and I was just overcome with the irony of it where it's like, there's a whole other city of people watching their team, you know, and they're also hoping the same thing. And they also like are hoping, like feeling invested in their winning or not. And there's just a sense of, I'm having fun, but I'm not really having fun. And so my theory about grip to, you know, to kind of land this particular plane and kind of resolve what I'm saying here, this, this idea of grip, if we grip too much, we are sacrificing our subjective ambition in favor of our objective ambition. There's, there's a lack of balance here. And it's only through properly finding the right amount of grip on what we're doing can we really find that sweet spot on both the objective and subjective levels. Yeah, I really like the word grip um, there because it made me think of, this is another uh, video game analogy. <laughs> when I play a racing game, like a Mario Kart or something, I hold the controller too tight with my right hand. This is something I'm trying to correct. Exactly. And it starts hurting after a while. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I holding it like this? <laughs> I'm like invested in the game and I'm trying to win or whatever. <laughs> And I'm just grabbing this controller and like, you know, like tensing up in my hand. And I think to myself, like, this is actually making me drive worse, right? 
in the game because I'm, I'm holding this so hard that my, my hand's turning right. into a claw and it's hurting and whatever. And the point of the game is lost. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like I've introduced pain. <laughs> right, it's supposed yeah. to be fun. So I just have to learn in, in that scenario. I, I have to like loosen my grip, you know, and relax a little bit in my hands and the, not let the pressure of the game in the, in the sense of the race or whatever come down into the muscles of my hands and tense them up like that. And there's so much paradox and there's so much mystery in exactly this example, because in a way of speaking, it may not be possible to to achieve this total balance because because we need that level of of concern and investment yeah. in order to win. And and if we don't have that concern and investment to win, then like then that's also the point of playing the game lost because playing the game has two purposes. It's, in, it's to have a great time with your friends, and it's also to fucking win. Yeah, to do the best you can. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's so strange. It's like, you almost, in a way, you have to kind of pick your poison. Either you, know, either you invest and, and you win, or you, or you stay uninvested so that you're a little bit more indifferent as to whether or not you win, but then you're going to lose. And yet, and yet, they sort of feed into each other as well, because I have found, I think a lot of us have found that when we when we place something and we're able to really walk that line so it's like we're invested but we're not like you can imagine like i don't know like whenever i um if i'm ever like playing like poker with my friends or something and i'm not really concerned about the amount of money i put up and and i'm not really concerned about whether i lose and i'm just like i'm just kind of enjoying the flow of the game and i'm just totally in flow and i'm not even concerned about winning i'm just I'm just like all my attention is just playing every hand as skillful as I as skillfully as I can and just learning about it. Well, then I tend to play really well. That's the best I ever play. So it's interesting, like just and and this this is the flow state right here. It's like walking that line. It's like you you activate enjoyment and you also activate your greatest level of skill. So maybe maybe I might even walk back what I said a little bit before about not being able to resolve it. Maybe it is possible to resolve it through just like walking, you know, increasingly smaller, uh, um, moving in increasingly smaller circles until you just kind of like find yourself at the center there. Yeah, it's a balance. It's like uh, it's like a tightrope that you're learning how mm -hmm. to balance on. Well, maybe not as thin as a tightrope, but it's something where you need to be careful how you balance yourself between wanting the thing and needing the thing. Yeah. So a really good question. So like, you know, if we were to get practical about this, you know, which is, which is like, like the, the, the major complaint that, <laughs> that my friends levy against me. It's a like, lot of okay, abstraction. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do we, how do we actually, right, right. How do we apply? How do we make this into like, into something we do? It's like, okay, like look at your life, right? You know, mm -hmm. not, not you, David, but just like all of us, like, you know, look at your life and, and ask like, how much fun am I having out of 10? 10 being like the most fun, zero being the least amount of fun. You know, how much am I enjoying myself? How much enjoyment am I getting? Have I gotten out of the last 24 hours or the last 48 hours? And, you know, and if there's a temptation to be like, oh, well, like the last 48 hours were really unusual because like all this stuff happened, whatever, then like, you know, maybe scope out to like the last 14 days. That might be enough. That's a good enough sample size. And, and if the, if the enjoyment is say below six, if it's like so 5.9 or less then that would mean that there's too much grip too much grip on our ambitions and that we need to reestablish flow somehow and how would we do that so it's like okay i need to reestablish flow how would i do that 
Well, well, okay. The first order of business would be to reassess your priorities, reassess your highest beliefs. So like journal out, you know, set like 20 minutes aside, 30 minutes aside, like, you know, take this seriously and really dedicate some time and attention to this journal out. What do I, what do I, what do I most want to do? That'd be question one. What do I most want to do? Question two might be, what do I most hope to get done um, this year? Um, question three, what do I most hope to get done in this lifetime? Um, question four, how will I know? Like, how would I know if I've um, actualized my life? Like, you know, what, what would it need to look like for me to look at my life and say, yes, I'm actualized. I've fulfilled my potential. What would that look like? Get into the details. So get all that clear. And then, and then note whether or not you're acting in accordance with these aspirations. Like do your daily actions reflect what you've just journaled out or not? And if not, then, you know, then get ready to course correct. It's like, yeah, what the hell are we doing? We're going to be dead in a few decades. Let's course correct. Let's aim for the most important thing. And now if we're doing the most important thing and, and there's still like, it's like, yeah, like there's too much grip. Well, then it's time for honesty. Where have I made this sort of thing more important than what it is? It's not to question the importance of our life's work and the actualization of our potential because it is of absolute, it's like, it's totally, supremely, supremely important. And yet it can still be made into something more important than it is. And then that's, that's when the flow starts falling away. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you kind of came in on this, but I wanted to add as well, we should be prepared to become a different person in our future. I mean, you, you kind of came in on that with um, course correction. I remember I had an old Dr. Seuss book. It, it, you had to fill in the blank gaps of it. It was like a, it asked questions and you filled in the gaps with your own answers. So I was, what, three or four or something? And I put, when I'm grown up, I want to be, and I put a bus driver. So I guess that was really thrilling to me at the time, the idea of driving a bus. Nice. I mean... I don't even drive. So <laughs> needless to say, I don't want to be a bus driver right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in that sense, my ambitions changed and my ideas of what I wanted for myself changed. And even, you know, more recently than that, like I didn't want to write. Uh, I didn't plan to be a career writer until I kind of made that decision. And then my whole frame changed with that in mind. Um, not instantly, you know, it took a bit of time to figure out what I wanted to do and how. So we can say my life's goal is this. But in a week, in a month, in a year, maybe things change. Maybe you'll meet the love of your life. You'll have a kid. Maybe you'll travel to a different country. Absolutely. You know, you'll have a life-changing experience. You'll meet someone who tells you something incredible and everything changes. So I think it's important to be prepared for that change as well. With all of this said about, about this, this, you know, these grand ambitions, you know, working towards this, this big goal. Sometimes that goal itself could, uh, could change. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that you said that because our ambition, our true ambition in terms of like, if we do this, then we become actualized as people. It runs deeper than our own minds. It runs deeper than our own egos and belief systems. It's something that it, it almost, it, it weirdly doesn't even care what we think or what our preferences are. And it has its own timeline. And it will point us one way and then it'll point us another way. And so there's another paradox there. It's like, yeah, like some, sometimes, okay, like our ambition points us in one direction. Then we start masterminding a plan to get in that direction. 
And so, and so, and then in that moment, it'll feel like we have chosen our own ambition. We've chosen which way the direction our life is headed in. And then, and then it'll change and it'll change despite like, like outside of our control, despite what we think, despite what we want on the deepest level, it'll just change. It's time to change. And when it changes, like it's still in the form of what we want. It's not like so different from us that it's like some weird employer that's like, you know, making us do something else that we don't want to do. It's still us. And it's still our deepest desire, but we have different levels of desire. We have like just deep, deep desire towards growth that runs deeper than our mind. And then we have this sort of like ego level desire. Our, our deepest gut level desire doesn't care about the ego level desire. And so and it'll take us in the direction it's going, which is the direction of our fulfillment. So that's a really cool way of looking at that. So it's, yeah. And, so, and thus, thus the importance of continuing to get clear on your highest ambition, because sometimes it changes very noticeably, but sometimes it changes and we don't notice, especially if there's too much grip. So to look at this other idea, this um, idea of holistic versus unholistic ambition, we can look at it from this lens where it's ambition that is our true ambition is almost always holistic ambition. So holistic ambition is when your ambition like what, you know, the, the reality that you're looking to create and step into is at the service of everything, everything. So it could be to be a politician, but not to be a politician in the sense of like, you know, I want to be really powerful and tell people what to do and be really important and to be on the cover of newspapers and something and to have, you know, a lot of people like, you know, think I'm awesome or whatever, but like, you know, wanted to be a politician in order to better serve humanity. Like on one hand, yeah, like like the 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 body of people that we're in governance of, but ideally humanity, or you know, say uh, scientists devoted to offsetting climate change, where it's like you know these are people who are taking care of themselves and that they have a job and they're getting paid and they have a salary, but they're taking care of the planet and taking care of everybody on the planet. So holistic ambition is not serving, not giving preferential treatment to one aspect of reality over another. And if we have holistic ambition, what? I guess we could just say it's better. It's better. It's more sustainable. You're less likely to encounter difficulty or obstacles. By contrast, if we have unholistic, which is an ambition that's that's set to serve only myself as opposed to everybody else. So it's like thieving and robbery or running scams or tricking people or like, you know, selling cigarettes or just like, you know, being in a profession that deteriorates the health and wellness, the physical or mental or emotional health and wellness of like other people where, where what you're doing is it's like a zero sum game. Like I, like I'm benefiting from your uh, lack of benefit from your disadvantage. This moves the collective in the wrong direction. I was looking to say something like, and, and you'll find it more difficult to actualize this ambition, but no, you won't. That's not true. If anything, it's, it's easier. Like you can like score some easy wins this way. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're introducing a moral point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. I think most people would agree with us here, but yeah, it's true. I mean, certainly you can have selfish ambitions and fulfill them, right? Unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people sure. like that are out there. Yeah. We do not recommend. Yeah. 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 Suffice to say it's this. Your, your true ambition, your true actualization is your gift to the collective. That's how you'll know it's a true ambition that's worthwhile following is by running yourself, running it by the question of, does this serve humanity? Like a person making music or like an artist creating art or yourself, David, in your work. It's like, yes, like humanity is 
enhanced by what you do and what I do in this kind of work. Yeah, and I think to just to justify it without being overly moralizing, if we were alone in this world, there would be no reason to do or want anything really. Mm -hmm. Like everything we do is framed by society and the people around us. And we benefit greatly from the actions of the people around us and society as well. And providing that benefit back is, it's good for everyone. It's good for you. And it's good for the people who benefit from the thing that you do. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's it. So, yeah. So that's, that's my position on, uh, on that. So ambition. So it's, you know, if I were to really, if I were to really start summarizing everything, it's important, first of all, to figure out what it is to spend good, good time, undistracted time to getting to the bottom of it by asking all the questions that we've outlined in this episode. Can we, can we uh, do a list of questions for our listeners? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, the first one is, what do you want, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just rattle them off. And, like, yeah, and, go like, ahead. You know, and, and so, you know, and the listener can like, you know, pause, you know, appropriately. But it's Yeah, like, yeah, please. So it's like, okay, what do I want? What's the most important thing? What am I afraid that I will... What freaks me out about death specifically? Like, what do I feel needs to take place before I die? Where, like, if I were to die now, it would feel like it, it's too soon. You know, so if, so if I were to ask you, like, why do you say it's too soon for you to die? Whatever answers you give me to that question, write all that down. I'm not rich yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take me. Yeah. <laughs> So, so good, right? And I also want to say, notice where there's chauvinism or preferential treatment around different types of ambitions, because holistic ambition means serving the collective, but it also means serving you and your survival needs. And when I say survival needs, I don't mean just bare bones, like a subsistence survival. I mean, like how much money do you need in order to feel like you're you're wealthy and good and you can take care of all of your needs and desires and and you know and sometimes like an argument would come up of like well I don't need all that money or I don't want to be greedy or selfish and it's like yeah but like if you're if you're listening to this and if you're worried about being selfish or being greedy or like or that you'll be corrupted with all this money you're already good people who are corrupted by this kind of money don't ask these kinds of questions so you're you're safe with money. You can be trusted with money. And and it's it's good. It's good and proper and you deserve to have enough money and you deserve to have permission to go for it, to like really try and care about money and charge money for what you do and so on and so forth. Money's a really really particularly sticky one, but it's like if you're doing all this stuff but you're not and you're serving the collective and everybody's getting healed and benefited and and everybody's so happy and the world is just prospering because of what you do but you're not getting paid enough you're not getting like the amount of money for you to live a good rich life then then your ambition is still lopsided it's still not totally holistic yeah i'll get back to like the list of questions so it's like okay so yeah what's what's the most important thing uh what do i need to get done before i die oh here's a big one what have i been meaning to getting around to doing for the longest time usually the stuff that is like in our 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 deepest like our deepest creative reserves is the stuff that we most procrastinate on doing because it feels the most vulnerable to actualize it so if there's something that you've been meaning to do for like over six months or over six years then that needs to be brought front and center so those are a few questions to get the person going cool yeah so see if you can answer those and and think hard about like don't just take it as a given that it, it's the same as it would have been five years ago or whenever ago 
the last time you thought about this. Mm-hmm. It it may be different now. Right. So that's it. So so take time, get clear on it using those questions. Run it by the question of of how holistic or unholistic it is. So in other words, ask if your creating this will serve, you know, benefit the collective. Get clear also on the difference between your objective and subjective ambitions. So objectively, what do you want to create in this lifetime? Subjectively, how would creating all of this in its completion and its fullest glory, what would that do for you subjectively? How would you finally be able to feel in yourself and in your life? What would you finally be able to give to yourself as an experience? And it might be something like, I can finally relax. Not like in the sense of like, I'm going to roll over and die and never do anything ever again. But I can finally relax in the sense that like, I can finally get off my own ass and breathe and feel good about myself. Get clear on both of those, both subjective and objective ambitions. And if you do all these and then, and then continue to focus on finding the right amount of grip, and you do that by asking how much fun you're having. If you're having a lot of fun, then you're in a good territory. All of this, man, like this is just the most sophisticated orientation towards ambition that I am personally aware of after my years of exploration. Awesome. Um, should we do our three takeaways? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, unless there's anything else coming up for you, like, uh, you know, anything, um, any questions or add-ons? Or... Uh, no, I mean, that kind of caps it off for me. Cool, sweet, yeah. So takeaway number one would be um, take time to get clear on your highest objective and subjective aspirations. Nice. Yeah, I would want to throw in for takeaway number two, the idea of being prepared and willing to change as a person and your aspirations to change with you. Be open to that and understanding of it. That is utterly crucial. And the number three is monitor your levels of enjoyment. The more you're enjoying yourself on a moment by moment and day by day basis, the the warmer you are on the track of your ambition. And that is all. David, thank you so much. That was a great conversation, Brent. It feels like, again, like a topic maybe we will revisit again. Uh, because a thousand percent. It's a big one. Um, but that was a super, super cool exploration. And I loved, I loved all of your points about it. So thanks so Thank much. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and yeah, listeners, I hope you uh, got a lot out of that. I hope you have a go answering those questions and see where you get with it. If you want to let us know how you're doing, you can contact us on Twitter at skyward underscore spiral or by email at the skyward spiral at gmail.com. Brent, where can people find you? Send me an email at hello at brenthuris.com. If you want to talk about anything, if you have questions, if you're interested in coaching, just hit me up. You can go from there. Awesome. And everything I do is at davidwhitechapel.com. If you want to see what I write and the other podcasts I produce as well, it's all there. So check it out if you're interested. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again, Brent, for the awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skyward Spiral. This show was edited by myself, and the musical themes are brought to you by Batchberg Music. Information and resources on today's topic can be found in the episode description. Please rate and review the podcast on your preferred podcast app. It really helps. See you next time.